Hello and welcome to The Future of Dublin, an EG audio production in association with Savills and Ballymore. I'm Sam McClary, editor of EG and your host for today's conversation, in which I'm talking with Head of Planning for Savills Island, Raymond Dutty, Sheila O'Donnell, Founding Director of Architects, O'Donnell and Toomey, and Claire Solon, who's Managing Director of Greystar Island. Dublin is a warm and welcoming city, renowned for its historic core and intrinsic character. But it's a city that has been battling urban sprawl for years. Known for its high density in the city centre and growing population, pressure has been put on the city to focus on the densification of urban centres to ensure the optimal and sustainable use of land. With discussions about whether to go up or out, over the next 30 minutes we investigate how Dublin can combine a growing demand for space in the city with, without pricing out or pushing out Dubliners. It's a fascinating conversation that looks at height versus density, the importance of collaboration and partnership, and the conflict between repurposing, planning, and cost. So join me, Raymond, Sheila, and Claire as we look to the future of Dublin. Take a look around. You see an overgrown building site. We see a thriving business center. You see a house that just won't sell. We see a home that needs an owner. When it comes to commercial and residential property, Savills see potential. We see opportunity waiting to be fulfilled. Savills, a different outlook. So Sheila, Claire and Raymond, we gathered here today um, uh, to discuss the future of Dublin, which is a big topic to cover in 25-30 minutes, but we'll do our very best, I'm, I'm sure. And you know, the future of our cities is something that is being discussed around the world um, in the wake of the experiences we've all been through in the past 12 months. But I guess for, for how Dublin can balance its growth and maintain its character, that character that we that we all love in this most vibrant of cities is a is a debate that's raged for for some time and today uh, I'm sure we're going to solve it or at least get get a step towards solving um, that those challenges. But I I guess Raymond, I'd love to start with you and and really pose that question that whether. Dublin's growth is a challenge that can be overcome or whether it's an, an opportunity for the city's, city's future. Yeah, I think I think it is certainly an opportunity. You know, there's plenty of cities in the world that don't have the investor appetite that maybe Dublin has. And you can it, it's good to be able to funnel that growth in in the right direction. Um, I know, you know, we're really going to talk about kind of mixed use communities and and can can Dublin be a good example of that? I, th- I think it certainly can, um, and it, it can point to some successes in that respect already. You know, you look at the North Lots Grand Canal area, uh, the Docklands area. You know, there's been plenty of criticism about that. It, it was there was an ambitious enough enough scale developed, but I think when you look at the efficiency of that air in in that the way that area was built out and the mix of uses, the mix between residential and commercial, I think that's given it a you know a good vibrancy throughout the day and evenings and weekends. And I think we can use those examples as we you know, look to develop other mixed use areas. And then I think we need, when you look at COVID, um, one thing it certainly made us all do is have a good look at our, our very much our, our neighborhood areas, our two kilometers or our five kilometer areas, and uh, what what services around us, what amenities are around us. Um, 
and and I think we can again kind of use those lessons as we look to develop other areas, other kind of mixed use communities, and you know what is a sustainable area, you know jobs, homes, um, having that mixture, and you know this kind of 15 minute concept a lot of cities are are currently looking at. Um, so yeah, as I say, I think Dublin can kind of kind of funnel that that investor um, demand in, in the right areas. Fantastic, thanks, Roman and, and Claire. You're obviously one of those investors, and Greystar is very very active in 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 the market. And you're you know a creator of those those communities for pe- for people to to live in. What what is your your vision, I suppose, for for Dublin, and and what are the the challenges and opportunities that you you see in in the city? Sure. So, I mean, Raystar obviously are very committed to the Irish market um, and we are very active looking for residential opportunities and creating those communities. And I think one of the things that's very attractive about Dublin, besides all the economic fundamentals and the growth story and GDP and economics, which is obviously very strong and hence the amount of institutional appetite in the market. But when you look around Dublin, it's a place of wonderful characters. So, you know, you have areas where it's cobblestone streets and it's Georgian buildings. And then you have others where like, you know, Kilnainham, which has been really kind of brought on by tourism and um, really revitalising that area down to Broadstone Basin and these little kind of niche little, you know, two story artisan dwellings and everything is walkable. Um, so I'll do a shout out to Savills, uh, mm-hmm. thank you for this, but they did a, a recent report about tech lifestyle cities. And Dublin featured globally as one of the, the, the top 12 for a tech lifestyle city. And this is where we have city centre living on a smaller footprint. And when we look at, again, all those people coming to work in Ireland now, OK, with COVID, those numbers have dropped slightly. But Dublin really features very highly on the list for mobile tech workers or indeed legal taxation, etc. People want to come and work and live in Dublin because it's actually a great city. Lovely character. It's safe. And it has all those different um, characteristics and communities. So I think that's something that's really attractive. It's very important that when we are looking at developing our city, that we recognise those different characters and add to that rather than doing anything to change that fundamental. So obviously the, the business side is totally proven, but I think it's up to us in terms of our ambitions to make sure that we're supporting that um, and making it an even greater city than it is already. Fantastic. Thanks. And Sheila, perhaps we can bring bring you yeah. in here because the you know the 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 level of interest in in the city and the, the you know the number of people that want to live and work and play in the city does put a demand on the the characteristics of of the city and a, and a need to yes develop but also protect and how how can we have those two things work in unison i i suppose Absolutely. Dublin has a very strong character and a very varied character. And it has all these neighbourhoods, which I agree with Claire, who spoke about some of those and how important their retaining and responding to their existing character is. And I think it is. I mean, I think Dublin could be uh, a showcase for mixed use developments, but our neighbourhoods, but it still has quite a long way to go. I would say in recent years, there's been some improvement in one part of it, which isn't just uh, in a lot of the, uh, there's been some interesting new residential developments built right in the centre of the city, which seem to be taking more note, for example, of landscaping and integrating it into the local community and having routes and paths that go through it, which is all good. Uh, I think it's, so it's important that that sense of how to make homes for people, but also how to make the neighbourhood in which those homes are. And as an architect, I would take that very seriously. We're doing a lot of um, housing for Dublin City Council now, we're just starting into, and that whole subject of how the, the, the route between the bus stop and your front door is an incredibly port, important part of making a sustainable city, a sustainable neighbourhood. <clears throat> I mean, I would be, I, 
while you know, I think there's an upside and a downside to the points that uh, Claire just made. My concern uh, as a person working a lot on social housing and as an architect is that while the tech lifestyle is very attractive and there are neighborhoods now being built to, um, to serve that market, I, that's the indigenous market of people in Dublin looking to either rent or buy homes is not that market. And even in the professions like where I work, people can't afford the rents that people from the tech market can afford. So I think we've got a serious issue there to deal with. It's fine that we have a lot of build to rent happening, but we have to somehow find a way of making that more affordable. Because I walk around, say, the North Keys now, and I think it's, it's, you know, it's all really cool. And in one way, it could be anywhere in the world, but it's responding maybe to Dublin, some of the nice characteristics of the Docklands. But the, the community that's living there is not the same as the community that did live there and feels very separate from the nearby uh, traditional communities. So that's a sort of challenge to work out. In my experience is that in the UK, there is much more a tendency towards mixed tenancies and the development seriously having a mixture of people who are who all live in one place, but under uh, different kinds of arrangements for either rent or purchase. And actually, interestingly, blind tenancies, which is a really interesting aspect of some of the developments I've looked at in the UK, where you don't really know what, on what terms your neighbour has uh, bought or is renting their apartment. So I, I think that is so important. And I suppose the other thing is, and I, I think everyone is recognising and everyone talks about the 15-minute city, but the, that we can greatly densify Dublin without meaning that we go to absolute high-rise, that there is a kind of European city scale of five to eight to ten stories which can still work in streets can still keep the character it obviously will intensify the character of dublin but i think is very workable and that seems important that we do that spreading out beyond the center into the uh, established suburbs rather than trying to build really high in the very center which i think will put other pressures well let, let's stick with um tall towers because i know there's a lot there's a lot of debate going on around, around height um in dublin at the at the moment and there, and you know it's about this balance is it how do we not build too high but not um allow too too much sprawl you know the great thing about tall building is tall buildings is the footprint is quite small so we can we can um maximize the the land uses maybe there can be more landscaping if we're if we're going going tall so how do we balance that debate raymond yeah, it's, it's something that I found very interesting when I moved back from from working in London for you know kind of eleven years. Um, I was aware Dublin is not a high rise city by any in any by any measure. Um, you know, you're aware of the, of these kind of building height kind of limits or targets. Um, but I was surprised when I was you know trying to take um, t buildings through the planning system. You know, uh, commercial buildings close to public transport interchanges, and we were being capped at kind of six, seven stories heights you would see out in a suburban business park. Um, you know, not not near kind of Georgian core. Um, and I and I've heard John O'Hara at the city council talk about how the building height it used to be a building height kind of target, and then turned into a building height cap, and it's just kind of evolved that way. Um, and then we've got national government then coming in saying, uh, you know, superseding these building height caps with their national guidance. Um, uh, and you have, you know, kind of charter planners or architects on both sides of the argument and everyone's trying to achieve the sustainable development, and reduce sprawl. Um, but we're it's very much up in the air at the moment in Dublin um, about how, how you achieve that and what, you know, what is the what is the particular target you should be seeking? Thanks very much. Claire, for, for you, from a from a deliverer of, um, of buildings um, point of point of view is, you know, are you are you in favour of tall or do you want to see 
you know, would you like to go out outwards? I think it's about height, but in the right locations. So to my mind, you know, areas like the Docklands um, or large sites where whereby there aren't existing residents or dwellings um, or, or impacts on existing dwellings, that seems to me to be, and sorry, where it's close to public transport, in other words, links with the city. Um, that seems to me to be kind of an obvious choice. And I, I query whether or not there should actually be limits at all, as in if it makes sense to build something feasibly, um, and the use is there. So the developer um, or whoever's driven the product, the institution has, has, I suppose, taken a bet and said, OK, this office will be built. Um, there's the demand for it or the residents or whatever use it's going to be. And it fits with the local context. And you look at your daylighting studies and you look at your visual impact assessment and let that be the criteria rather than it being 15 stories or 10 or 20. I, I just I kind of query whether or not that really is the right way of doing it. Um, and at the end of the day, it's not necessarily about height being the solution either. It's about density. So you don't necessarily need to build tall to build densely. But whether or not our planning regulations currently allow us to do that with kind of setback distances and minimum sizes of gardens and things, that's challenging. Um, but it's about, I think, looking at it in different ways. And certainly, I think for, I suppose, just a point that was raised there about, you know, build to rent, et cetera, and the pricing of that, there was a recent SCSI um, Chartered Surveyors cost study on apartments. And that read for pretty eye-watering reading in relation to the cost of delivery of apartments in the city centre in particular. So suburban was, was reasonably okay in terms of feasibility. In other words, the end product being worth more than the build costs or development costs. But city centre was very hard to make that stack. So you are then looking at that being a certain type of product, which is more likely for the build to rent market. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a total bad thing, but yes, it should be mixed and there should be other forms of housing also built. So build for private, social housing, affordable housing. It has to be mixed. So if we're only producing one type of tenure, that's a failing of the current system. We need to look and see how do we fix that? And um, so height is certainly one, but I think density is probably a key factor um, in making that work within the Irish market. And how um, prevalent are these conversations within within the built environment um, community and with with local council with with planners? Is, is there a is there a collaborative conversation going on to to find find a solution? Sheila. Yeah, I would say there there is a lot of discussion about it. I'd say it's very much at the top of everyone's mind and agenda. Well, I mean, there's two things. One is the sustainable development of the city. I suppose the other one is we're all very aware of the housing crisis that we've had in Ireland. So both of those things pushed together. Um, I absolutely agree that it's that density, not height, um, is the first step to take. And I just have this feeling that it hasn't been tried yet. There hasn't been an area of Dublin, and I think it could be one of the conurbations, not necessarily the city centre, but there's so many districts. And Dublin really is a city of villages. You know, you've got Fibsborough, Rathmines, Clontarf, Stony Batter, I mean, and they go quite far out, Dum Drum, and that the, really we should build around those centres, and we should try uh, the density option, which is probably between, as people seem to agree, six to eight to ten stories, which is quite a lot, and still can keep street uh, streets and um, familiar urban form. I do think the point that I think you brought up about height, about open space, is really important. So, if I think it's highly possible highly possible to build high, uh, but there should be space. And we were for, at the moment, we're working on a on an 18 story building, the residential building, but it's in a piece of previously institutional lands with beautiful, mm -hmm. mature landscaping, huge trees. And it obviously makes more sense to build a small footprint. And then that 
that land becomes a public park, not just for the people who live there, but for people beyond. So the sense of, of balancing uh, landscape with facilities, with housing is really important. And I would say, therefore, the planning is important. And certainly the city planners, for example, in that project I'm talking about, we have a lot of conversations, they're very involved. Uh, my impression is, because I know we're doing now um, three, we're working on three or maybe four sites for Dublin City Council social housing. I think the social housing, um, there's a big momentum behind that now, and that will do a lot to, to make this balance because they do, do tend to own sites all around the city centre quite near where some of the private developments are being made. But I think, I mean, people have been talking about it for so long. I mean, I came back to Dublin from London in the 80s and with a group of other then very young architects, we did a project to show that you could put people living down in the, in the Keys, down in the docks between O'Connell Street and East Link Bridge, which wasn't even built then. And everybody thought we were completely mad. We did a project showing you could get 10,000 people was our banner put on an exhibition and published it. And people said, nobody's ever going to want to live down there. And actually, we tried to get some of it moving and no one was interested. But of course, now it is happening. But I think it might be, it's it's happening in in some in an improving. I think the, the standard is certainly improving. Uh, I was pleased to walk around the North Keys a couple of weeks ago and find that it, it was a sense of, uh, of, environ of environmental improvement, which I hadn't noticed. And the scheme's been built in the late 90s and it's the early 21st century. I think we went through a bit of a dip at that point. <laughs> I think things are picking up now. But I really do think we need to work on these on these uh, inner suburbs or sub traditional um, suburbs of the city and to bring the community who live in those along with us in agreeing that, that the centre of, say, Rathmines or Dundrum or somewhere is a place that could be developed and that could take more people because there's all these amazing buildings like there's a town hall in Rathmines which isn't used for that there's you know there's a library there are schools there are the things that you need to just make sustainable communities exist in a lot of the um, those traditional suburbs and it and it makes sense to develop around them rather than to go out further so Raymond, what would be needed to to enable that? I I suppose and we've talked already in this conversation about you know that Dublin could become a real showcase for for mixed use communities. So you know what are the what are the steps that we need to be taking as a as a as a profession to to really enable that? Yeah, I think I think that uh, ongoing and meaningful engagement between the you know the uh, developers or the you know people who are going to bring forward development um, and the council is is important and and we're seeing we saw recently a decision um, Dublin City Council's changes to the Docklands planning scheme not to keep going back to that one but it's quite quite a interesting point that Board Panola sent that back to Dublin City Council to to revise and one of the things they noted was. It hadn't taken enough account of um, stakeholders' representations on on individual sites, um, so I think the government and on board Panola are are looking more for kind of um, you know partnership approaches in a lot of parts of the city and looking to bring forward the you know the public sector and private sector views, um, the local community, um, because it's very important to take a, an existing community along you know with you so they do benefit um from from new development and, and enhancements in the area and you know what what do people want to see invested with amenities or access to services so i think that kind of partnership approach or, or you know meaningful engagement will be very important and we've also talked a, a lot around around balance getting the balance right in in the city and whether that's density height um 
ten, tenure and I'd be really interested to to hear from from you Claire I thought it's you know a really interesting point from from Sheila around how do we balance the you know the need to service that the economic demand that there is for for Dublin with um you know the the responsibility I guess there is um to the people of Dublin to enable them to to live work and play in in the city as well yeah, I think it's about supporting and growing what's already there and not trying to remake something because uh, Sheila was mentioned about these like, villages, and I, I totally agree with that point. They have their own character and it's really about making sure that it's going to be adding to that rather than taking away from it. Um, but I think w- one point that we, we haven't touched on yet, but I think is actually an important sector of this, is also we're talking about all new build here. You know, we have so many buildings with underutilized or unused space on the upper floors. And this is something that I've I've spoken about previously because it's a real bugbear of mine (laughs) that, you know, we have all this kind of talk and discussion on new build and density and scale and height and, you know, integration to communities. And we look around the city and if you walk around now, particularly obviously with post-COVID, it's even got worse. But even on a normal day pre-COVID, if you walked around the city centre, you know, and saw how many lights are on in the upper floors of these buildings in the evening time. There's very few. Like there was a report to me about four years ago that said that it was less than 20 percent along Grafton Street and Henry Street for the upper floors was being utilised. And that was predominantly storage. Mm-hmm. And you think, you know, that these are buildings right in the city centre, next to public transport, next to people are working, next to parks. Um, it, there's, there's no car based travel. It's exactly where people want to live and work. And yet these buildings are just not being used. And, you know, again, the SESI is in a lot of work in relation to why and, and, and why is this actually occurring? And even from my previous role, um, I was involved in a, in a fund and we actually did a, a PEC project along South William Street just to see, could we actually transform some Georgian properties and bring them back into residential use? And I have to say, I was really shocked at how difficult it was from a technical perspective. It sounds easy, you know, it's just about how much it's going to cost and you get a conservation architect and you get your whole design team in and you, you know, you, you work it out. Um, but actually all about, you know, fire and separation and access and egress and it technically try and do that within a Georgian building or protected structure. We had to actually the budget did, didn't go ahead um, is, is the long and short of it. Hopefully it will someday. Um, but I was really hoping that that was going to be like a case really to show how you could really rebuild these streets and revitalize the city centre. And, you know, after two years of work, it was just actually, you know what, it's it's really difficult and challenging. And um, yeah, perhaps it's it's not something that we can do that easily. And I'm not quite sure, unfortunately, what the solution is, because we don't want to be doing things like um, making buildings that are unsafe or not compliant with fire regulations or disabled access or buildings. But at the same time, what we currently have isn't actually working. So there needs to be some sort of a solution reached because there's thousands of units that could be accommodated in existing buildings really sustainably, reusing built environment really correctly. And that, again, integrates community. So I really think that's something that I'd I'd, I'd love to figure out a solution to or for someone to figure out a solution to, because it would really solve a lot of the problems that we have within our cities. And that's not just Dublin. That's, you know, all towns and city centres. Um, it's it's across the board. So hopefully I I, I live in hope for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sheila Raymond, any solutions to, to that? I mean, I just I couldn't agree more with Claire about that. It's so important and it is so very, very difficult. Um, I know we've tried at various times to do it. And I think it's really interesting to hear that that she was involved in what sounds like a sort of pilot project, even if it didn't go ahead. I think it would be very useful to have other people pick up that and run with it. I mean, I Unfortunately, I'm not teaching now, but I used to teach a lot in UCD architecture. And we often ran projects like that. But it would be interesting to get 
I think it probably needs to be done in association with the city council and perhaps with researchers to actually think about how to deal with that very real problem. And maybe it's to do with grouping things together and trying to have shared ways of dealing with fire escape. Uh, and I suspect that COVID in relation to all over the country, and she's absolutely right, you know, you drive to any town in Ireland and nothing is happening upstairs. But I think with the big uh, emphasis now on making these uh, workspaces in small towns all over Ireland and encouraging people to move back there might be a good time to pick up again on this subject of how do you bring life living over the shop, I suppose. I mean, <laughs> since I started teaching 40 years ago, every few years this comes up as let's all look at living over the shop again. And actually it's either an individual can do it at great personal expense and they have to do things to do with fire doors and other and other kinds of upgrading of buildings. But maybe it does need to be taken on at a more institutional level. And I suspect it could be local authorities that need to take a lead or to even make more specific grants for that, because I imagine uh, a private developer trying to do that is coming up against so many obstacles. So the idea, I mean, I think anyway, uh, somebody, I think maybe as Raymond mentioned partnership or perhaps as Claire before, partnership generally seems to me to be so important. And I would think that the, that the local authorities at like Dublin City Council should be working in partnership with private developers so that projects that are being built side by side in the city and that's happening like one of the sites we're doing for Dublin City Council is right beside a private development that's just starting construction but unfortunately that was fully designed before we were appointed and wouldn't it have been better if we had all talked to each other about you know how they're developing their site so it works with our site but I think on that issue of reuse which is absolutely critical and so important also with climate change that you know that the idea of repurposing existing buildings is, is a very high on the agenda of all discussions among architects and planners and designers. I mean, it's a critical one. And actually taking office buildings that are, and using them for residential is also something that's kind of an interesting subject. If an office building has become uh, redundant, maybe also in smaller towns, quite an, and they might sometimes work better for fire and other kinds of escape and also lead to a, a more interesting, different kind of apartments, more like loft apartments. So I think there is, that it, it's great that Claire brought that up because I think it is absolutely top of, it should be top of everyone's agenda in, in housing the population of Ireland in a more sustainable way. We recently got permission for um, creation of three apartments above um, shop in South William Street for a client. Um, and there's been, you know, that real balance between uh, the fire requirements and accessibility and and the benefits of bringing that space back into use. And it's it was a real kind of labour of love for the for the client. Um, and we know Dara O'Brien, the Minister for Planning, is is looking at um, whether we have the balance right in terms of refurbishing and bringing protected structures back into use or, you know, to try get, as you say, you know, uh, when you see these vacant spaces above shops and city centres, um, there's so much capacity there. Um, and is there something around kind of exempted development um, about removing planning barriers or um, providing greater, greater certainty or reducing cost to developers to, to you know, to incentivize that or, or individuals, you know, um, about putting the money into those buildings and, and bringing them back into use, particularly, you know, the upper floors and there's great capacity there, I think. Wouldn't it be a wonderful outcome for this conversation if we could um, create um, a bigger conversation around that and really identify um, the individuals, the businesses that have the passion and and the pockets, I suppose, as, um, as, as you mentioned, Claire, it's a, it's a, a difficult, um, difficult journey to go on. But if we can bring 
life back to to city centres through um, regenerating and reusing these these spaces wouldn't it be a, a wonderful thing and if there's a, a conversation that goes deeper through this this um, short half an hour conversation that we've had then I think we can all we, we can all feel pretty good about ourselves and I guess I'd um, I'd love to wrap up this this conversation with with a sort of um, look to the future actually and if there is you know, a single, and maybe we've just mentioned it, but if, if there is a a single um, move that you would like to see happen in the in the city of, of Dublin and its villi- its villages to really ensure and safeguard its its future, what would you like that to to be? And I'm going to start um, because I mean with Raymond. Um, one one big idea. Um, I think you know. I think again, as we mentioned, you know, there is good investor demand in Dublin, and we, when the, the publication of the new planning framework, planning policy framework, has put a lot of greater emphasis on brownfield development. And I know the city council and uh, South Dublin is looking at older industrial areas and how we bring those forward. And those, th- there's a scale of floor space there, you know, and we have the opportunity to deliver these successful mixed use communities um but it's important also to retain employment uses and and um have sustainable kind of 15 20 minute city or you know neighborhoods um i think those are are a good focus and they have a scale to to deliver the population you know over the next 15 20 years provide that accommodation for them fantastic thanks raymond same question to you sheila uh Yes, I mean, I think we have, we've discussed a lot of really useful things. I would say that um, conversation and consultation between the different stakeholders probably what's really critical. Now, I would love to see the private developers and city council and other uh, bodies together agreeing uh, in a positive way what we all, what the shared aspirations are, because I actually think there is a lot of shared intention and somehow uh, people need to work together to make it work. Because it's point, you know, the, having rows about um, the scale of development by a private person beside another one. I mean, just we can all. I think I think there's a lot of people who want to make Dublin a great city, and we just need to talk to each other and to work together. Fantastic. I'm all for that. Uh, last but by no means least, Claire. I think mine is probably regarding reuse of resources and using what we have to build more sustainably. So whether that's, again, renovating the upper floors or even things if it has to be new build, making sure that the supply chain has been assessed in terms of the environmental benefits and that we're really kind of focusing on the long term impacts of our buildings on the environment and things like biodiversity. So can we actually include green spaces? beehives on the roof. There's just so many little small things that we can do when we're looking at buildings that actually will add benefits for the longer term. And I think we've started that journey, but I think that really needs to be part of the conversation around design team tables a lot more um, and that we all have the benefit for that going forward. So just being really focusing on environment and energy efficiency. And again, as I said, biodiversity. So how do we actually improve wildlife in our cities? So it sounds like there is I, I like the idea of the shared aspiration for for Dublin, and it sounds like there is there is conversations going on, there is collaboration. There's definitely a a look to the future that will deliver a, a Dublin um, that we all know and know and love, and will come back strongly after after these these past twelve months, and and we'll look forward look forward to that. But for now, thank you so much for joining us on the future of Dublin, Claire, Raymond, and Sheila. Take a look around you see an overgrown building site. 
We see a thriving business center. You see a house that just won't sell. We see a home that needs an owner. When it comes to commercial and residential property, Savills see potential. We see opportunity waiting to be fulfilled. Savills, a different outlook. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the EG Property Podcast. We hope you found the content insightful and helpful. If you'd like more of the same and to keep up with all the latest news, views, analysis and research that the EG Group has to provide, be sure to sign up to all of our property podcasts and subscribe to Radius Data Exchange for unlimited access to all of our content and comprehensive commercial real estate data. Thank you.